welcome to Hockey Development Talk. Today I'm with Ali Addison. Hello, mate. How you doing? Hi, how you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. People are probably going, hey, it's Ali, or other people are going, who's this guy? So do you want to give us a, do you want to give us a quick summary about who you are and what you do? Uh, who, who I am, that's probably complicated. No, yeah. uh, uh, who I am and what, what I do. So I currently coach full-time in the UK, but uh, I'm from Australia originally. Um, and my, I guess my playing and my coaching career sort of varied across a lot of different countries. So I grew up in Australia. When I finished school, I moved to New Zealand for a couple of years and played and coached over there. Uh, I came to the UK and coached in a school. Then I did majority of my senior stuff in Australia. And then I moved uh, to the UK back in 2011, 2012. I played for Doncaster for a season and did a bit of coaching in a uni then. And then I did a season in Ireland, uh, back to Australia to finish off university and start, uh, I guess, what you'd call a normal career. <laughs> and then uh, I was always coaching on the side of that and then got a bit sick of sitting behind a desk and wanted to pursue full-time coaching, which isn't really much of a possibility in Australia. And then uh, just it was an opportunity to come back to the UK and coach at Durham University. And then that sort of led to one thing that led to some nags work as well. And now I'm head of hockey at Ipswich School and have been for about the last uh, 12, 13 months. Excellent. That, mate, that's when I was just thinking now in my head when you were uh, talking. So when you came over here the first time, you had a bit of work, Oxford. Then we went, then you, Doncaster Island, uh, back home. You must have loved the, you must have loved the plane at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, in that era where I played for Doncaster and I played for a club called Evoca in Dublin, I worked out that I moved in a three-year period. I think I moved about 13 times, oh. um, which... Oh. I'm not going to lie, moving isn't much fun, but no. um, the uh, the experiences that go with it were pretty awesome. I think I the one mistake I made was probably picking a sport like hockey because I ended up doing two and a half winters in a row without a summer, yeah, uh, yeah. and that that was pretty brutal. But yeah, uh, yeah, I had an awesome time. It was um it was great. Excellent. So let's let's talk about how you first got into into this. Sport, obviously, young lad. At some point, when did you when did you take up hockey? What sort of age were you? Uh, I think I was about five. Uh, oh, my wow. my mum and dad played hockey. My dad was a state uh, state level hockey player. So in Australia, it's a little bit different. Um, you go club, then you play for your state, then you play internationally. So state is uh, quite quite a high standard. Yeah. Uh, compared to here whereas probably club premier league is probably the highest club standard over here so it's a little bit differently structured but that's because geographically australia is so big so it has to be done differently uh but yeah so my my dad was also quite a high level coach so he was the head coach of the tasmanian institute of sport for hockey for a while when i was growing up so i sort of spent a lot of time with a stick in my hand and a lot of time around uh, around hockey pitches and around hockey teams from a very young age so I guess yeah. that's where that interest kind of grew from. Yeah, and did that? Is that the reason why you think you started coaching? Uh, was that an inspiration to you, or was it another rationale about why you began to sort of get into the coaching side of the game? No, definitely, uh, definitely. I think uh, as a kid, you sort of always look up to your dad, and you know, my dad was is a teacher, but then he went into professional coaching. He ended up going back into teaching, but still did a lot of coaching. Uh, so I always looked up to him, and I guess it's one of those things when you're a young kid, you want to be like your dad. So that sort of pricked a bit of interest. And, and I guess as a player, I was always 
really interested in the tactical side of things and really interested in mm. doing things differently and that kind of thing. So I, I, I was quite often a leader in teams. So I think that's a bit of an introduction to coaching in some ways. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it just kind of, I think it was spurred from a pretty young age and spending so much time around hockey grounds. And I guess my, my dad sort of fostered me in a way that was always kind of encouraging me to think and always encouraging me to look at ways to do things differently. Uh, so I guess that sort of pricked that, mm. that um, yeah, from there. Pretty awesome, isn't it, really? It's pretty awesome when you think about it. Like when you look back and you, you look at that and you think, well, he, was, he actually inspired you to, to really be a coach. Look at your journey that you've done now, the miles that you've travelled, the amount of times that you've moved. Um, it's pretty much his fault, really. <laughs> Yeah, 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 completely, completely. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been it's been an awesome journey, really. I'm very fortunate. You know, I don't think there's, I don't think there's that many people that can say that they ended up going and doing something that they wanted to do from a very young age. Um, you know, that they're really passionate about. Uh, I think I'm not going to lie. At school, really, the only thing I kind of cared about was hockey, yeah. uh, and to, to end up being able to forge a career out of it. And I don't think I intentionally followed that path. I just think I've always been pretty open to opportunities. Um, and I guess probably not really knowing what I wanted to do career-wise mm. was actually an advantage because I didn't get locked down into anything. So when these opportunities came up, I, I was pretty open to taking them. And then the hockey world's funny in, in the way it's it's actually quite small. You meet a few people, you get a few contacts and one thing sort of leads to another and the next thing you find yourself in a different country again. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, very true, very true. So what, uh, when do you think you started coaching? I can't say, I don't, I don't want to use the word seriously, but when did it really become sort of like, right, I'm going to knuckle down and look at this. Was it when you first came over to the UK and did something at Oxford? Was it before then? Was it actually after then? Was it after Oxford you suddenly went, I uh, probably need to look into this a bit more. When do you think that was? If, if I was to say when did I look into it as a career, yeah. I, I would actually probably say not until a few years ago when I moved back to the UK. Okay. If, I, if I look at um, my interest in coaching, I, I sort of started coaching when I was at school, when I was 15. Uh, um, and I started coaching young school teams within my school. So I, I've always sort of coached from the age of 15. It's always been okay. a real interest of mine. Um, but I guess when did I think that I could do it as a career? To be honest, it, it wasn't until the opportunity at Durham came up to, to coach mm. full time because they're just there's not really that many jobs in that in Australia. So it was always very much something that I did on the side. Okay, no, that's cool, cool. So what, when you were coaching, let's start with Oxford. Let's, you came over to the UK the first time. You, st- you you went into there. What 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 was supposed was the highlight for you? When you look back now and you think about that, what was the the highs and the lows? Let's go about both of those within that school environment. There, what was what were the things that sort of jump out at you uh that's it it's a really interesting question that one actually I, I've, I can't say I've thought too much about that one um <laughs> I you know I was there for a hockey term so I was there for three or four months um yeah for me getting to work with athletes is always a highlight uh and getting to work with the team from start to finish and sort of seeing the progress and the way people mm. adapt and grow up and change that's always a massive highlight mm. uh I I don't really think I could say any lows, to be honest. I know that sounds a bit corny. There's always sort of ups and downs and frustrations yeah. and what have you, but it's all just a part of the journey. Um, yeah. And it's all a part of moulding a team that there's tough times and there's times where it's a little bit easier. But yeah, at that time, I would say it was probably the fact that it allowed me to travel. It allowed me to be overseas. And 
you know, see a different part of the world. That was probably the the main motive behind it at that time. Yeah. The major kind of high. Okay. Okay. No, it's, it's good. Good. And uh, yeah, it was just curious. I mean, I was wondering what, what that was going to be. And then let's think about sort of uh, the Doncaster. And then did you say it was Leeds Uni as well that you were you were sort of doing a bit, a bit at the same time with? Um, so think about think about those two experiences there at the hockey club at Doncaster, Leeds, and then in Ireland, you know, did you, what did, did you change? Did your coaching change from when you were at Oxford to, to, check, to those three environments there? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, your coaching is always changing. If, if you're prepared to be really open and, and always want to learn, I think your coaching always changes and it always evolves. Um, my fundamental principles have probably never really changed as far as uh, why I do what I do and what I'm trying to create. But I guess mm. just your knowledge, your knowledge and your skill sets get stronger from all your different experiences. Um, so that's, that's probably a big thing. Uh, yeah. Don, trying to think. So Doncaster, so I played a season there. It was a 2011-2012 season. And there was a big kind of tradition between Tassie people and people from Doncaster going backwards and forwards. Yeah. So a guy called um, Sandy Lawson and Jonathan Redfern, they came over to Tassie and played for my club back in 2006. Uh, and then we had a few of our guys go to Donny. Uh, and it kind of that sort of relationship backwards and forwards just opened up from there. There was a lot of Tassie people that played for Doncaster actually, um, so that was yeah a bit of you meet certain people and those opportunities come up. And then whilst I was there, I went up to Leeds Uni because Redders was working there at the time. And then I met the guy in charge at the time, Gwaine. Yeah. And then he offered me some coaching work at the time, so I. Uh, yeah, I went from being in the club rooms just having a chat to this bloke and five minutes later I was down on a pitch coaching <laughs> a team um, and that sort of started that really and then I just, it wasn't full-time work, it was just casual sort of work, you know, a couple of nights a week kind of thing. I'd travel yeah. up to Leeds and coach within the program and go away with some teams on a Wednesday and on a weekend if I could if it didn't clash with hockey. Um, yeah. So that, that was sort of the Leeds scenario. Then I uh, I went back to Australia for a season and was pretty keen to go abroad again. And then uh, the gig in Ireland came up and actually I went over with two of my really good friends from my club team in Tasmania. So that was a pretty awesome experience. You know, three mates who, one of them I'd known since I was sort of four years old. We were uh, all in a flat together in Dublin, playing a bit of hockey, doing a little bit of coaching and just having a good time. So it was, yeah, pretty, <laughs> I'd have to say a bit of a highlight of my playing yeah. career definitely was, was that season there when you when you combine you know Irish hockey is a really good standard and that club that club competition was really good I was just about to ask you actually what what did you think the difference was between the Irish stuff to Doncaster Leeds I, know, I mean Doncaster and Leeds would be different because obviously university hockey and club hockey but what do you think the difference was what, what was the things if you look at it and you go that was that's not what you would expect, especially after being over here to then going over to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was probably a bit naive when we went to Dublin, actually. I sort of thought, oh, you know, I've just come from England. There's X amount of million people here and uh, heaps of people play hockey. So the standard in Ireland won't be as good. Um, but yeah, I was pretty wrong. The um, It was a really good standard. It was, I guess, a really physical, uh, robust kind of game in Ireland. And I think one thing I've really noticed is generally whatever country you go to look at the dominant sports in that country. And that's going to be the influence on the way they play. Mm -hmm. So, 
you, you go to Ireland and it's hurling and it's Gaelic kind of sports, which are tough, physical, hardworking, yeah. uh, and a bit unorthodox, lots of 3D kind of stuff. And, yeah. and I think that sort of sum, summarises hockey in Ireland. It's got a big influence from, from that Gaelic side of things. I think mm-hmm. if you look at, uh, especially at the time, if you look at the UK, football was very dominant and football was probably more of a possession tactical sort of game. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot of possession based stuff, which it took me a, a very long time to adjust when I first arrived. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming from Australia, where it's basically about if you score five, we'll score six, kind of mentality yeah. and attack, attack, attack to possession and building the play up for long periods of time. So I, I'm pretty sure I got pretty frustrated for a while, and I'm pretty sure my teammates got pretty frustrated at me trying <laughs> to uh, trying to attack all the time. But um, yeah, that's just one of those things, and that's where I think you develop as a player because you, you take little bits and pieces from everywhere you go and you merge it into your own game. Um, and that's the same as coaching. You take, you take the bits that you like and you merge it into your own sort of style of hockey. Yeah, you do. You do. I think something interesting you've mentioned there is about the Australian side of the game. And, you know, I've watched a fair bit of uh, hockey within their their league, so you've got the Australian league stuff, but then you've also got the Tassie league as well. The Tasmania, right now, looking at there, there is different styles of players in there within that. Now, when you you talk, if I talked about the the, the Tas league that I saw, I mean that mate, that is that's there's some physical. You talk about the Irish league, there's some physical stuff going on in the in the Tassie league that uh, and stuff is is was there much similarities or is it did you find Ireland Ireland was even more physical. Um, probably a little similar, yeah, similar yeah. in a lot of ways. I think I think Australian hockey is probably influenced a bit by AFL, which is yeah. quite a running, attacking game. Um, yeah. You know, very physical, very attacking sort of hockey. So, yeah, I definitely think there are some similarities in that. You know, international rules football is a mixture of AFL and Gaelic that's played yeah. between Australia and Ireland as well. So there are a lot of similarities in, in, in that yeah. way of play. I would probably say... Irish hockey was a little bit more build-up to Australian. Okay. Um, you know, in Australia, if you pass the ball backwards, people ask, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's very much receive and try and play forward as much as you can. And uh, A lot of the teams I've sort of played in, we were all about create as many scoring opportunities as you can. And odds are, if you create a lot, well, you're going to bang in a few goals. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it was overly tactical, but it was more built on outrunning opposition and if you attack enough you should be able to create enough chances to win a game okay so after you you finished in ireland um then there was a there's a big chunk mate there between obviously you obviously going back to finish university course starting a job and then before you come back over to to sort of the uk with durham so what what happened to you in that that period like playing coaching i guess i I tried to be an adult for a bit Um, yeah (laughs) <laughs> Small, so I, period. Yeah, dark period in my life. Tried to be an adult for a while. Um, no, so I went back. I had about eighteen months left on my university course. So I, I did a little bit online when I was playing overseas, but I didn't do much. I just kept it slowly ticking over. So I went back to finish that off because I kind of realised I was at that age where if I didn't finish it, then I probably wasn't going to finish it. So I went back to, to finish uni off. So I was doing a business tourism degree with a marketing major. Um, so I finished that. And then I, from that, towards the end of my degree, I got offered a job for Hockey Tasmania uh, as kind of a business development manager, which was pretty much a mix of game development and operations. 
So I did that for about a year um, as kind of like a graduate position almost. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got a job at a place called the Derwent Entertainment Centre where I'd actually worked at since I left school kind of casually in various different roles. But I got a job there as um, sort of second in charge of the venue, so a lot of event management, venue management, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So that was, I guess, my career trajectory until mm. I got sick of sitting behind a desk and an opportunity <laughs> in England came knocking. And then yeah, uh, that, that was a pretty funny one, actually. In the space of sort of six days, I went from working away in Tassie, thinking that this was my career trajectory, to packing up everything and getting ready to move. Oh, wow. um, that quick, that quick. Yeah, wow. it, okay. it was about six days. It was um, it was pretty funny. So I, I was speaking to a mate who I used to coach at Leeds Uni just online, and he said uh, I was just asking him about what he'd been up to, and he was doing a bit of coaching at Leeds. And I said, "Oh, have you got any coaching jobs going just out of interest?" And he said, "Oh, no, mate, but you should check out Durham. Um, Gaz is up there." And so I met Gaz a few times. So he'd been to Tassie to see a mate before, and. Yeah. I played against him when he was coaching Sheffield and he was working at Leeds Uni. So um, I didn't have much to do with him, but I'd kind of come across him a few times. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I sort of looked at this job and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, I sort of said to her, I'm trying to think of time frame. So I think this was a, what was it? This was a a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I said, oh, this job's in Durham. It closes on Friday. What do you reckon? she sort of goes, yeah, yeah, why not? Just throw in, like, by the time by the time they do interviews and shortlists and all that kind of stuff, we'll have plenty of time to make a, make a decision. Um, she, she'd been overseas a few times anyway, and I think was kind of keen on the idea of going again. Right. Um, so anyway, I threw in for this job, closed on the Friday, um, and then on the, on the uh, I think later that day it was, or within 24 hours, I had a, an email saying, you've got an interview on Monday. And I, uh, I went back to Jess and I said, oh, look, I've got an interview. What do you reckon? She goes, oh, don't worry about it. By the time they interview you and do all this, you know, we'll have plenty of time. So anyway, I, I do this Skype interview on the Monday night Australian time and um, didn't, thought it went all right, but didn't really know. Didn't know who else was going for it and that kind of thing. And uh, I woke up on the Tuesday morning to a phone call from the director of sport offering me the job. <laughs> so it went from, I think, the Wednesday, not even knowing about it, to the following Tuesday, being offered the job. Um, and I think this was about late July. And I had, the season was finishing in September and I basically had to be over. So it went from not knowing this job existed to working away in a full-time career to getting everything sorted, to pack everything up and move to the other side of the world again. Yeah, yeah. And now look. <laughs> now look. <laughs> so, you know, and look at what's happened since as well. It's amazing. So you've come over to Durham. Uh, we, you've sort of you've met Gaz, who you've met a few times anyway. There's, a, there's obviously a Durham philosophy which he wants to achieve. This obviously for you then is uh, a good opportunity. But uh, do you want to go into a bit of depth about what you did at Durham and sort of I suppose a little bit about culture and a little bit around uh, what what you sort of learned along that way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, Durham was great. I was there for two seasons. Uh, you know, we worked incredibly hard and we had a lot of success. We had a National League North Conference title for the men. We had a Bucks gold for the men. We Our second teams got promoted and had Bucks golds as well. So we had a really good run. I think in the second year I was there, we were uh, on Bucks points with the top university hockey program in the country so nice. we, we had a really good run uh i learned heaps coming from australia 
it's it's very different in the fact it's not it's nowhere near as tactical as yeah. it is over here or in Europe in general. Yeah, I I would struggle to teach my team how to press one way in Australia. It's full court in your face. Try and win it back as high up the ground and try and score as many goals as you can. There's there's not a great deal to it from there. Um, he will come to Durham. You know, Gaz is unbelievably technical. He his knowledge tactically is just something else. I, you know, I've never worked with someone before before then that had that sort of knowledge. So uh, I guess I'd obviously done a lot of coaching before and had that experience and had mm-hmm. lots of different experiences from different countries, but I hadn't that in-depth knowledge of, you know, especially from the tactical side of things that I learned from Gaz. You know, I think we had six or seven different presses and lots of different attacking formations and that kind of thing. So that, that was a whole new experience for me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I got on the plane in Australia. I got off in Manchester. I caught a train up to Durham. I got picked up at the station. I went straight down to the hockey pitch and I coached my first session that like literally straight from the train station. And it wow. was kind of like that for two years, really. Like it was, yeah. it was really full on. There was lots to be done, but it was, yeah, it was great. Uh, and yeah, I learned absolutely heaps in that, that period of time. Okay. Um, and I, and I think probably culturally, like, oh, what's the best way to describe Australia is a bit more laid back. Um, a bit Positive, positive is not the right word, um, but a bit more, what's the right way, like up and about. Um, so a, a large part of, I think what I added there was about that sort of team culture and positivity mm-hmm. and, um, and and that kind of thing, really. Um, but yeah, no, we, we made a really good team. We sort of, we bounced off each other really well. Um, we challenged each other's ideas, which is really important in a coaching team. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, we sort of developed a really successful way of playing. So yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you mentioned it that just there actually when you said you work well together. But like co-coaching, it, it's not just about one person leading and saying to, to to Ali, can you can you just go do this bit over here? Co-coaching is a tough, it's a, it's a tough gig. You've got to you've got to really nail it. And uh, you know, with results and development that was going on in the program, you two must have nailed that. There's no uh, doubt. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to relationships. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good relationship with who you're working with in the coaching team. And that doesn't mean that you get on all the time. It just means it's more about respect and about yep. understanding the value that each of you can add. And when you've got that kind of intense, close relationship, and we sort of always had this agreement from day one that we, we could argue black and blue behind closed doors, but whenever we came out from behind the closed doors in front of the team, Theme, it was always a unified coaching approach so yeah whether that was my idea whether that was Gaz's idea whether it was any other coach's idea in the program that that didn't matter what mattered was that what came out to the team was a unified front um and I, and I think when you set that kind of that sort of ground rule in place which Gaz did from the start that that opens up opportunities to mm-hmm. challenge each other and and come up with the best way of best way of doing things because mm-hmm. you know everyone looks at things differently um, and it, it's that little golden nugget that someone might drop in that you go, wow, that that little thing changed everything. Um, and, it, and it's being open and being prepared and having that relationship where you value each other enough to to listen. Um, but also, I guess, having the respect to come out from behind closed doors, even if necessarily you don't sometimes agree with it, and putting in place what needs to be put in place. I think, um, yeah, that that's where it works really well. But I think if you don't have that kind of relationship, then that's where it doesn't work. That's where co-coaching becomes very, very difficult. 
<laughs> probably not co-coaching then, is no, it? So it's, probably, it's probably probably something different. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's a good way of looking at it. It's good. Good, uh, good summary of it. Um, so, if you could summarise your time at Durham, and you, you, mo- you know, you've moved on, what is it that the? If we can get three, it'd be great. But like, what would be the three key things you took away from that two-year period there, with regards to your own coaching, if possible? Uh, Probably should so, have prepped you on these questions, shouldn't I, beforehand? I'm only just thinking of them now, by the way. No, no, so. it's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> so, I think the first and foremost thing was about hard work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Gaz is an incredibly hardworking coach. He's worked very hard for a number of years, and uh, you know he's he's got a lot of experience. So his work ethic is unbelievable. So I think first and foremost, the thing I took from that was about work ethic. Yeah, I've always been a pretty hard worker, but I think I took it to a new level when I was there, um, and that's really important. It's you know, it's, it's just like fitness, really. You've got to continually push yourself, and you've got to find ways yeah. to to get better, to develop, um, and that definitely challenged me and pushed me to to get better and and mm-hmm. as a coach so definitely definitely the work ethic um the second thing would definitely be tactical knowledge yeah uh and, and it, not not just what i learned working in that program but what i guess it stimulated me to want to learn um and and look for lots of different ways that things that can be done um and lots of different ways that the game can be played so mm-hmm. i think it definitely encouraged me to to um broaden my horizons a lot more and and not that they weren't because i've coached in a number of different countries but i just think that real in-depth understanding of tactical knowledge for that two-year period really kind of stimulated me to to understand more and to to want to develop and and completely look at different ways of playing the game uh so that would be number two number three and this is probably this isn't anything new from there, but it just reinforced my own coaching principles of that you have to have good relationships within your coaching staff and your playing group, um, and that that's absolutely vital. You know, you, you can have all the knowledge in the world, and you can you can um, you can have all these ideas, but if you can't get that knowledge across, and if you can't stimulate your athletes and engage your athletes and your coaching staff, then it doesn't really matter what you know. Um, if you, if you can't impart that knowledge and you can't help people learn, you can't build relationships with people, then yeah, you're not going to go, go very far. No, no, not, not at all. Not at all. So no, it's good. There's some good, good takeouts there. It's nice to hear. Um, especially having seen the, the two of you work a little bit together only once or twice, but like, it, you know, and look at the development of that program uh, there, you know, it's, it was impressive, mate. It was impressive, um, and that obviously led to other things, didn't it? For you, this uh, this the new job, the job that you're in now. Um, do you want to explain a little bit around that and where you're at at the moment? Yeah, definitely. So I moved to Ipswich about uh, just over twelve months ago. So I got the job as head of hockey at Ipswich School, um, which traditionally has been quite a big hockey school. Um, probably dropped away a little bit over the last few years, but yeah, came back in to rebuild that back up again. So. Um, yeah, it's a big challenge. There's lots to be done, but we're, we're making some really good progress, which is, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, and sort of seeing, seeing some of the changes that we've implement, implemented here take effect has been really, really rewarding. Okay, do you want to go into a couple of those? You don't, don't have to sort of go into no. too much. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, uh, what have we done? So we've essentially almost gone to a two-term hockey model uh, no. or two, two-term sport model across the board, yeah. which is 
a lot more like an Australian model of things. So my director of sport, he's Australian as well. Um, so we probably look at things with a bit of an Aussie lens on, uh, you know, in Oz, you only play one winter sport. So you don't, you don't play one term of say football and one term of hockey or anything like that. You just, you pick your favorite winter sport and that's what you play. Um, so we're sort of going down that route a little bit more. We've entered first teams into the new tier one competition. So we did the boys last year and the girls are going in this year, which has been really good. Uh, just a, a much higher standard. And yeah, just looking at ways that we can make things more competitive. It's been really interesting looking at the school structure over here compared to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Australia, you don't get out of bed unless there's three points on the match. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, whereas here, you play lots of block fixture friendlies and, and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been interesting being a part of that. I, I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with block fixtures as such from growing up in Australia. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's definitely different ways of looking at things and looking at how we can develop the kids better and just provide them more and more opportunities to play the sport that they want to play. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been really good. So yeah, that's probably our, our big change this year is that we'll go two terms hockey for under 15s and above, um, ah. and which okay. uh, which should be really exciting. And I put put a lot of academies in place uh, at the school, so pretty much what we've done is we've provided every opportunity for the kids to play as much hockey as they want um, mm. but without forcing them to do it so our, now our philosophy is that it's there for you if you want it um, and our job as coaches is to make it so engaging that you want to be there and yeah. and the, ref, the reflection of how you're doing as a coach is basically by letting the kids vote with their feet um, if you're getting lots of kids coming to your session it must mean you're doing a pretty good job yeah so, yeah. Um, yeah, we've kind of gone down that sort of a route. What do you deliver in the third term? Uh, I still do hockey, actually. Oh, do you? So, wow. Yeah, so not in games period, but still run a number of academy sessions after school. We did oh. a lot of first, we offered the first team squads the opportunity to train once or twice a week. Okay. Uh, so I, I was on a pitch every day after school in summer term. And, right. um, and then in games time, we introduced an athlete development program for uh, those athletes who weren't kind of A-team cricketers. Uh, right. just looking at more S&C based stuff for them so they can develop their fitness and their power and their speed okay. um, so yeah we put that program in place as well so have you found been... have we found year one yeah good good uh, you know lots to adjust to and lots of different things to get your head around obviously a school environment is very different to a university environment because um, yeah. you go yeah. from here it, it's different in some ways but in some ways I don't think it should be too different because now, a lot of the kids are only one year off being at university mm. anyway. So mm-hmm. um, they are technically adults or as close to being adults. Um, so a lot of similarities, a lot of differences, uh, probably a lot more processes in schools just just because of the nature of being a school. Yeah. Um, and, and the yeah. school structure is very different to Australia as well. So uh, that wasn't very natural to me. I had to get really get my head around how competitions were structured differently over here and, yeah. and, and what have you. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great learning curve. Do you think that was your biggest challenge that you've had this year, trying to get you, you getting yourself into how schools education works in, in the UK? Do you think that was? Uh, yeah, so that, that was definitely a challenge. Um, and I guess as well is uh, probably understanding that, but also not accepting it as well. So having a, having a clear view of what I thought needed to be done and what needed to be put in place and, yeah. and, and changing things, you know, when, Whenever, whenever there's change, there's always uncertainty with people, and that's not a negative thing. 
think it's just how we are as humans. Um, mm. There's a, there's an an awesome cartoon I've got on my computer actually, and it's a, the top picture is this guy standing on a podium saying, "Who wants change?" and everyone's got their arm up in the air yelling and screaming going, yeah, yeah, we want change. And then the, the bottom picture is who wants to change. And then everyone's got their head, head down looking at the ground and, <laughs> and um, what have you. So, uh, so yeah, I think um, that that's been a, a good challenge for me. Um, and yeah, my philosophy is the more different environments that you can work in, it just opens your eyes to different things and you, you take little bits from everywhere you work. Um, yeah, and good. yeah, just, just pro- I guess the pure magnitude of a school, I think we've got, in the, from year seven and above, we have got what twenty nine or thirty teams in the program. So you've got to oversee all of that, um, and then the coaching staff within that and what have you. So there's a lot to stay on top of, but uh, it's it's also a good challenge too because after a year you start to see what you've put in place, you know, start to come to fruition a little mm. bit. So that's um, yeah. that's always the reward as well. And how do you think you as a coach has had to? change in this last 12 months around the school stuff um we're going to come on to obviously the england stuff in a moment but like with the school stuff how do you think that you've had to change uh, what do you think you or i probably wouldn't know let's not go had to change what do you think you've developed or learned during this period that's uh created changes in your coaching uh it's an interesting one really so i mean i'm not going to say that i haven't changed because i think you're always changing and developing mm. um but i i've sort of been working with different age groups, different countries, what have you, since I was 15 years old. So I've got a lot of experience working with different groups. And I think probably one of my key strengths is I, I can adapt pretty quickly. Um, if you, you know, if you chuck me out with a senior team, I can, I can kind of deliver what needs to be delivered. If you then, I, you know, I go down to the preps and work with the year three kids sometimes and I, I can do that. I, I guess I sort of have an ability to be able to relate with people pretty well. And that, I guess that's a personality trait, but it's probably also it comes from experiences with living in so many different countries. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I think once you can once you can build relationships with people, and also, you know, my my fundamental belief is that you have to be enjoying what you're doing to want to be there anyway. Um, so as as long as you can put on something that engages them. Uh, whether that's at senior level or at school level, as long as your sessions are engaging, as long as you're building rapport with your athletes and your coaches and building those strong relationships, you know, based on respect and what have you, then I, I think you're always adapting. I don't think change is probably the right word for me to say, but I guess it's just always looking to adapt so you can you can deliver and give give the athletes what they need at the time more than anything. So, yeah, it's it's just... I guess it's just been another experience where I've had different experiences and worked with different people that has, you know, developed those skills further. Yeah, that's good. Uh, again, just just interesting to hear how you've you've sort of gone gone through it and you sort of you're confident in your own ability anyway, which is great, and you, you're confident that you can adapt. And I, I like that. I like I've liked I liked I like that from when the first moment I met you. To be fair, so it was, you you know you were you, you're not arrogant with it at all it's more you're just confident in there well okay let's go try this and you will you from what i can gather you will just go and try things and give it a go um that but that kind of takes into this england role that you're doing now so you've been fortunate enough or they've been fortunate enough to have you uh, either way it's, it's worked well with sarah kelleher who's someone i look up to massively with regard to coaching with the england 18s this uh has it been, is this the second year that you've worked with them? Is it? Or? No, first year. So first. I, I was working in the Welsh program before this okay. year. So 
uh, what did I do? I did about a year in the Welsh program as assistant coach for six months and then head coach of the NAGS program there. Yeah. And then moved across to this England role as kind of, I guess it's sort of second assistant role yeah. to, uh, to yeah. Sarah and Lee. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's been, it's been a really good experience. Um, you know, Sarah's an amazingly creative coach. I, 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 I'm probably a pretty creative coach and I'd say that's a real strength of mine, but you know, Sarah's a different level of creativity. <laughs> uh, and I think her, one of her biggest strengths and I guess the big thing I've taken from working with Sarah is just her ability to create engaging environments where the athletes feel really empowered. Um, and she's phenomenal at that. Like the way, the way she can, effortlessly create these environments and it's not effortless it's you know it's a lot of hard work and it's through a lot of knowledge yeah she, she just seamlessly delivers them um she's absolutely brilliant at that and you oh. know the girls the girls really thrive in that environment unreal to see like people talked about it before i went and visited wow you know you were there anyway and you it may it was yeah it blew me away at that time just like what wow, was this... um yeah i remember that session what was what was your sort of big what did you notice the most? What did you take away it's, from it? I mean, this was early in their cycle as well, so this was pretty early for them, and they, they were they had bonded so well. Was it and the creative? Was, was it creativity camp or something like that? Uh, I think yes, it was. Yes, it was creativity camp, and um, man, there was just the the biggest thing for me was the there was obviously a few people that were unable to train through injury, and just the use of them within the session, so simple but so creative of how they were rewarding. But players would realise that they had then done the things that were part of this camp because they were make, other people were making so much noise. Well, I, think um, we, I think, was that the camp where we had pitch invasion from some of the injured players? With Yes. At, at yeah. one point, I think one team was being Spain and one team was being Germany or something Germany. like that. Yeah, yeah. Spain scored a goal, and there was a massive pitch invasion. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. And you had, you had created some uh, um, tasks for them to do. So within the game, they had to score. I wasn't even score, or they had to do like three things within the game. And the people, when they did it, there was their team were cheering, and the opposition team were trying to figure out what they'd actually done. And there was so much going on. But you just looked around and for me, you shut your eyes, you listened. There was fun, but there was so much learning going on. There was so much learning, so much discussion, people talking to each other around. But if we did this, this could happen here. And you just think, wow, what a such a powerful learning environment. It really was. Like Yeah, yeah. Just and, and I think that's um that's the example of a really engaging environment. So I, yeah. I think sometimes people people try and create fun environments, which yeah which are fine, but actually is the engagement and the learning taking place or are they just having a mess about? Yeah, um, yeah. But actually, yeah. when you create an engaging environment, they have fun anyway, but they're challenged. Um, and when, when you get that, I guess, that optimum performance sort of right, you know, the whole inverted U-curve, when there's enough challenge there to really stimulate them, but the environment you create encourages them to express themselves and explore and what have you that that's where you get that sort of you know what you experienced when you were there and i think that's yeah. where sarah is absolutely brilliant is she gets that balance of you know having a good time but it's through engagement and it's through the fact that they're um they're on task and they're engaged and yeah, and that, that takes a lot of work and though i'm not going to lie those sessions are you, as a coach you've got to be really on top of things um because yeah. there is so much going on 
and it, and it, it may not look like that, but there is so much to factor in this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to be a part of that. Absolutely, and I think to, to finish off what you asked me about what I take away, the Player of the Camp Award won the uh, the signed book by Kate Richardson Walsh. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and Sarah had that chatting about why this person was, you know, part of the gonna gonna be winning the the camp award, and it was it was such a heartfelt uh, speech that she gave, and like you, you think, goodness me, she's taken so much in around all of those players, you know, not just talking about her, the person that won the award, but also the other people that had influenced it to get to there, and you just think, wow. How do you take in all that information in 48 hours around the, the theme of the camp and everything else? I mean, there was so much info. Uh, and I remember thinking oh, that the biggest big thing for me is I need to capture more information around my players, like that short, sharp information. Yeah, I could tell exactly. She, she, just, she just blew my mind with how much info she gave around each and every one of those players, but then the specific one around winning the camp and what they had done different to others. I was just thinking, I'd need a notebook for all of that. So, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. think um, I think as well where that's developed is that that's developed in the you know the thirty second walk between the change room and the pitch and the yeah, yeah. the the chat and the line at dinner and the you know the five minute one to one where you're not necessarily talking about hockey, but you're actually asking them how they are and what they like yeah. and what they're into and. And I think that's where that's sort of that's really developed is it's it's not necessarily formal as such. I think it's more the informal conversations where you get to really know them and you get to know what makes them tick and you build that rapport because I think as well they they genuinely feel like you're interested in them um, as as a person and not just a, someone who's pulling on an England shirt and playing hockey. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important and that's where you get that engagement from. Uh, yeah, no, agree, agree. So if you were to take, you've looked at that, you've, you've been part of the Wales, you've been part of NAGS. Um, you mentioned earlier about a couple of things that you would take from the environment, but actually what have you taken from there back into the school culture? Anything, anything at all um, that you've, or you're thinking, right, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of tweak this and put into school or yeah. Is there anything that you've sort of, try to embed somewhere else and have you, have you, have you made it a success? Uh, yeah, so I think the big thing I've taken from working with Sarah is about the theming of the overarching theming. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really good because um, I think you can, you can really uh, embed your key values under a specific theme. Um, and then I think that you can underpin your values with your tactics and, um, and all that kind of stuff as well. So I, I think definitely the, sp- the specifics around creating a theme for a camp and mm-hmm. uh, I've done bits and pieces around that with values before, um, you know, rewarding values in a similar way to what Sarah does with, with the theme of the camp. Um, so just looking at things like that and how we, I guess in the school environment, looking at over the cycle of a program or a term is, okay, do we, the first two weeks will be this theme, the second two week, uh, second block will be this theme and, and so on. So we over, overall within that within that term, the the kids get a real sense of what our values are and, and what we stand for, and, and I guess the training that underpins all that. Um, so that's that's definitely something I'm looking at doing in the school environment. So I, I haven't um, put it in place yet because I sort of started 
plotting that towards the end of the season. But it's definitely okay. something that, that will be in place for this season. So it'll be be interesting cool. to see how that uh, how that goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's nearly been 45 minutes already and uh, we've not talked about ACP. We've not talked about you as a as a coach and sort of how you, not necessarily philosophy, but how you sort of, your style of delivery may have changed or anything like that. So sort of episode two, we'll definitely have to come back and look at you, your coaching, what it looked like at the beginning to what it looks like now and what it could look like in the future and listen to some of this stuff going on in, in the school and how that's been sort of, um, uh, has that has that helped? Has it has it created even more challenge in your coaching? You know, what, what's that happened there? So um, unbelievable journey, unbelievable to listen to, fantastic to, to have you over in this country, you know, sort of giving back um, uh, the stuff that you've taken from Durham, putting into, into stuff there at Ipswich. Uh, yeah. Man, I'm shattered. <laughs> I'm shattered. <laughs> I hate to imagine what the listeners are going to think at the end of this, but uh, yeah, it's great. Mate, really appreciate your time um, in chatting to me around your, your journey. And if it, if it is possible, can we come back and talk part two later on? So probably early early October once you've sort of started back at school, maybe October half term because then you'll be on a bit of a break. Um, and we look at how sort of the changes that have happened and how things are going. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty awesome journey the last, I guess, the last three years. It, it was always a bit of a risk packing everything up. Um, I guess putting your career aside and and uh, going in a completely different direction. And sometimes people look at you and ask you what the hell you're doing. But um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'm very fortunate. But I also feel like I've been rewarded for that as well um, yeah. with the opportunities that have come up in the last three years so that's been pretty awesome um so yeah i'd love to love to look, chat more about it it'd be great absolutely uh mate look look forward to, to sort of catching up enjoy the rest of your summer break um enjoy this heat wave don't sweat too much <laughs> in your in your room and uh i look forward to catching up soon hopefully yeah. uh, in the northeast if we're up there that'd be good yeah perfect mate sounds good thanks for your time i appreciate it no worries thank you Thank you.